Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up with a word of prayer, and then um, we will uh, we will kind of go into God's word and try to let it speak. Father, we thank you for the privilege of doing such wonderful things as dedicating a young man as unto you. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping here this morning in freedom, God, in, in, comfortable, in a comfortable space. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus, that he, he died on the cross for us and he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And we thank you for your word that's come down for over 2,000 years, longer than 2,000 years, but it's been given to us and we can know you, and we can understand you, and you can speak to us. And we thank you for your spirit, which was poured out on your church. And we thank you that we have access to it by faith. And we just bless your name, and we, we ask God that you would speak today. This is your church. You are the great shepherd. You're the pastor. You're the leader. You're the teacher. We give you full control in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll notice that as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, we've, um, and this mic is cracking, so I'm going to flip over. As we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, it, we've, we've given you kind of a four-part outline. Normally, it's only two parts, and, and I've tried to add more scripture because when you're talking about a spirit, it's kind of hard to put your hands on it. You know, we, to me at least, and maybe you're different, I mean, but to me, I can picture Jesus walking around, I can picture Jesus doing miracles, I can get an image of him on a cross, I know what a man looks like, I can see it, I can, I can visualize what that is, but when you talk about a spirit and God's spirit, it's kind of hard to picture, well, what is it and how does it work? And so we've, we've kind of talked about a few things, and I'm going to review a little bit, and then we'll get into more of it. The first point on your thing, on your paper, it says conviction... It speaks about what the Holy Spirit does to you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Now, not convict, all right? Not like going to jail. That's not what I'm saying. Holy Spirit's not locking you up, but he will convict or convince you. And right there, we have our scripture out of the book of John, chapter 16, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one that convinces us when we sin. All right, if it, He convinces us that sin is bad. He makes us and, and works alongside our conscience and makes us feel guilty. If you don't feel guilty anymore, you're in a bad spot. You've been ignoring the voice of God a little too much. Like, you should feel guilty. You will make mistakes, but hopefully you feel bad about it. All right, and he'll convince us of righteousness, about what is right and what is wrong, and, and about God's righteousness and judgment. Why? Because the ruler of this world is judged, and the Holy Spirit convinces us that there's a judgment one day, that the things we do on this earth, that they matter. Like, that's what he does. So that's the first thing we kind of talked about, is that he convinces us about a lot of stuff, and, and that should never stop in our lives. If you are not constantly being convicted or convinced about something by, from the Holy Spirit, then you're in trouble. Number two, renewal and regeneration. That speaks about what the Spirit does in you. 
So picture this, you're, you're, you're without God, you're lost. And remember, we said lost is not a matter of your value, it's your location. So if God is over here in this carpet, if this carpet represents God, if I'm outside of God and I've sinned, I'm lost, the Holy Spirit convicts me. He convinces me that over there is better, that God is better. It's better to be in the light than in the darkness. So he draws me closer, and then I, all of a sudden I cross this line, and, and it's just this miracle that happens where I believe in Jesus, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to renew and regenerate, to begin to transform me from the inside out. We talked about that last week. It's like a river of living water. It comes and it brings life in your soul, and he, he makes you different. He makes you loving and kind, and, and, and the scripture that we have for that is out of the book of, of Titus, and it's Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, and it says, he saved us. Why does God save us? It's not because of your works. You can't earn it. That is good stuff. You cannot earn what God does. It is all because of the work of Christ. Christ did the work. We didn't do anything. We just believe and we trust and we receive this, not by works of righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And that ties in, I think, to the, what Jesus said about the, the Holy Spirit being this river of living water. Now, I know enough about water is that when it's flowing, it's better than when it's stagnant. The water that I've seen that's stagnant stinks and gets gross, but flowing water brings life, and it's clean, and it flows through you, and that's what should happen to you, is that this renewal of regeneration happens in your soul. God does it. It's, 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 a, it's a miracle. It's by his own mercy, and we should allow the Holy Spirit to change us. So conviction is what he does to you, um, renewal, regeneration, or what he does in you, and then this third thing, and we're going to talk about it today, and it's very, it's kind of complicated, but I think it's important. It's the idea of empowerment. And this concerns what the Holy Spirit does through you. Because here's the, the truth, is that you are not the star of the show. Jesus is the star of the show. And though he died for you, you weren't the only one on his mind. Though he cares deeply, and then don't, get, don't, don't, don't misquote me, though he cares deeply about what you're going through, he cares about everybody else just as much. And when you're sitting there praying for that close space at Walmart so that you can rush in and not be late, God has a lot of other problems that people are going through on his mind. And he is concerned about meeting other people's problems as much as yours. And so empowerment is about what the Spirit does through you. And so that's what we're going to take, take a look at today. We're just going to talk about it for a few minutes. And we're going to try to be as honest with the Scriptures as I possibly can. So if you go to the book of Acts chapter 1, this is Jesus. This is some of his last recorded words. Now who thinks the last thing you say might be kind of important? I mean, it's really hard. Now, let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. It's really hard to rank Jesus' words because I don't think Jesus just said stuff. I think everything Jesus said is important. However, the very last things he says kind of might be what's on his mind. 
It might be what matters to him at that moment. It might be where he's going and the direction he wants us to go. So when they had come together, that's the disciples were in verse 6, they asked him, they said, Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? We are always asking the wrong question. As people, we always seem like we are off base. We don't know what God is doing. We're asking these questions over here about what's important to us. The disciples were Jewish people. They were raised to believe that the kingdom of Israel would be restored. And so that was kind of important. Imagine if America had fallen and that Washington, D.C. was just gone. It was destroyed and, or, or under the control of another nation. You might be concerned like, hey, are you going to fix America? Are you going to put it back together? Jesus doesn't even answer their question. Like, really? He basically says, stop worrying about it. Now, he says it a little bit fancier. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. They're asking the wrong question. And then Jesus takes their focus and he points it in a completely different way. And maybe you've been asking God wrong questions. And God wants to speak to you about something that he's actually concerned about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus' last words about the Holy Spirit referred to power. Now Jesus, and that's the point you can write on your, screen, your, your paper, Jesus' last words about the Holy Spirit referred to power. If you flip the page, it's right there, and you can fill that in. Now, that's kind of interesting, because Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. He said a ton about it. You can go read the book of John, and I suggest that you read your Bible. In fact, I suggest that if you are not in your Bible, you're probably missing up a whole lot. You need to read it, and you need to understand it, and you need to study it, and you need to take the Word of God above anything you hear from any teacher myself included. If I say anything that is outside of what the Word of God teaches, then just tell me to be quiet or ignore me. Either or. That preferably ignore me, but if you want to tell me to be quiet, you could do that too. But his last words, they referred to power. They talked about this power that was coming. He didn't talk about the comforter. He didn't talk about the teacher. He didn't talk about the helper. He could have said anything about the Holy Spirit that he wanted to, and he would have been right. I mean, he's Jesus, right? But his last words have to do with, you will receive power, and then you will be my witnesses. And so I want to look at those words a little bit. The, the word receive, it literally means to lay hands on, to grasp, to take into possession. That you would lay hands on this power. Now that is insane. To think that you or me or any believer in Jesus who is completely unperfect, imperfect, and saved by grace could lay hands and grasp the power of God. Because in the Old Testament, you couldn't touch the power of God because if you touched the ark, you died. But in New Testament, you could lay hold of, you could grasp, you could receive power. That word power, it means power, might, strength, 
force or capability. In other words, making you to, to be able to do something that you could not do on your own. To have some force, some strength, some might. The word will be means to be or to exist as. Now I want you to understand what these words are, and I'm going quickly, but, 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 but it means to exist as. To be, to exist as. And then the word witness, which is the same root as the word martyr, it means one who testifies, sometimes at the cost of their life. So Jesus is literally saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to grasp it, you're going to hold on to it, you're going to take it into your possession, it's going to be yours, and then all of a sudden you will exist as a witness to Christ. I don't know your life. I don't know your story. I'm dealing with my own stuff. But if I was to line up your life and I was to put you up there and to show everything you've done, even just one week since last Sunday, have you existed as a powerful witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ? I don't know. Is that how you exist? Does everybody who sees your life say, well, that's a believer? That's a testimony to the fact that this gospel is true, that Jesus did die on the cross for our sins, and he was resurrected, and now new life lives in this person. Does your life bear that witness? Do you exist as that? Like, is that all that you are? Or are you a Christian and something else? I'm not trying to get too hard, so forgive me if you're getting convicted. But again, maybe the Holy Spirit does that sometimes. So I just want to put a few points out there, and I don't, I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to get, get, make you feel sad. But I, I want to let you know what it says, point B on there. Uh, believers are called to join in Jesus' mission. You are called to do that. It doesn't say Pastors. It's believers. The Holy Spirit is for believers. The Holy Spirit is not for pastors. It's not like when I became a pastor that I got the real Holy Spirit and you get the pretend version. You get the one with the little orange tip on it. You get the airsoft version of the Holy Spirit and I get the fully automatic real version. You walk around playing Christian, but I actually am a Christian. No, we all get the same thing. And it's power. And it's a capability. It's to do things that we're not capable of. I am an incredibly shy person who doesn't like people. Think about that for a second. I am shy. I don't like to talk to people. And I don't really even like them on my own self. I would be perfectly happy just being alone. But I can do this because I think God has empowered me to do this. He's given me a capability that is not my own. Like, I wouldn't even like to talk to the person at McDonald's. Like, to order food, I tell my friend, just give me a cheeseburger, man. Just want a cheeseburger. No, you talk to her. I don't want to talk to her. You do it. I'd have tons of friends I could get to do stuff like that, but I was just shy. But when the Spirit of God came upon me, I felt like I was empowered. Point C, 
not only does he call you to something, but that he empowers you or he gives you the capability to do it. That's the cool thing about Jesus. He's not going to ask you to do something and then leave you powerless. He's not going to say, hey, go be my witness. Go testify to the reality of the gospel. But guess what? You're all alone. No, he gives you the Holy Spirit. The same thing that Christ had at his baptism. Christ was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down. It's not the Holy Spirit Jr., not the Holy Spirit miniature. It's not watered down. And it's not like the Holy Spirit's tired. It's not like 2,000 years ago he came, and now he's just a little winded. He's like, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. I can't, I can't really be the Holy Spirit right now, guys. I need a break. Believers are called. You are empowered. And then I want to go to the book of Ephesians because I think this talks about my job in regards to you, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that's pastors and teachers. So he gave people that are called to ministry. I think there are some people that are called to different levels of ministry. But verse 12 is for you. To equip the saints, those who are set apart. Why? For the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. It's my job to equip the saints. And it, he didn't tell me to make you feel good when you go home so you can have a great week. To equip the saints, to show them to make a whole bunch of money. So they got a big bank account and give a whole bunch to the church. That's not what he called me to do. In fact, I don't get anything from the church. So I don't care about that. I hope you give because that's good for you. But I'm a volunteer just like you guys. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If he's not talking about you, who's he talking about? Now what I'm saying is, is that there's work to be done. There's lives to be changed. Marriages to be restored. Families to be blessed. Broken people to be healed. There's, there's for the work of the ministry. But notice how... It's the saints that do it, not the people on top. We flipped it. You thought it was my job. You thought if I could just bring them to church, we'll let them fix it. When God has actually designed church to get you equipped so that you feel able and powerful because you're full of God's power, that you can go out and do the work. Now, there's some stuff, obviously, that might be like, you know, you need help with and you want to talk to somebody else and severe counseling issues and all that stuff. But it's the saints that do it, to build up the body of Christ. Now, I mean, to make it bigger and to make it stronger. And why make it bigger? It's not like we want to put more chairs out. Let me be honest. I'm very happy putting just this number of chairs out. But if putting out more chairs meant that more broken people could get whole, then that's worth it. In fact, when we moved here, we were almost just going to do church in our house. But then somebody said, Chris, do you realize less people will actually show up in your house than if you rented a building? And I was like, crap, fine. Fine, I'll do that. If that means more people can be 
saved and received the, the gift of the gospel. But let's, let's move through. I want to go quickly. Uh, D, and what I get from that is D is believers are expected to join Jesus' mission. So you're called to do it, you're empowered to do it, but I would also say you're expected to do it. That like if you're going to follow Christ, there's work to be done. It's not work to earn your salvation. It's all free gift. You can do nothing for Jesus and be perfectly okay, I guess, if you trust in Jesus. But I don't understand how you could actually believe this stuff and not tell anybody. I think you're playing games. If you believe this stuff and have never shared it with somebody... I don't know that you really believe it. I'm just going to be honest. Because if you believe somebody's eternity depends upon what they believe about Jesus Christ, like, and you don't talk about it, I don't understand. I, 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 my mind doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Maybe yours does, and you figured it out, and you've put a big reason why you don't need to share the gospel. But I can't see it in Scripture, and I can't logically get there. If you really believe that Jesus is the answer and that you can pray to the God in heaven and that, like he might hear you, I don't know how you can see your neighbor in need and not at least offer to pray for them. Or open up your wallet and give to them because that's who Jesus calls us to be. Um, we'll keep going and you can get real mad at me. And If this is your last Sunday here, God bless you. I hope you have a good one. All right, let's go to the book of... Um, Acts chapter 8, and we'll go to verse 5. It said, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria. What did Jesus say? He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, or you'll bear witness, you'll test me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Philip is actually doing what Jesus said. What, a, what an amazing thing. Jesus listened to what Je Philip listened to what Jesus said, and it works. So Philip actually went to Samaria. He didn't logically like, give a reason why he couldn't actually go to Samaria. Well, like, Jesus didn't really mean Samaria. He meant like people that are not like me, so I'm going to be witnessing to that guy in the market that I don't really like. No, Jesus, Philip actually went to Samaria, and he proclaimed Christ. And look what happens. The crowds with one accord paid attention. It's amazing. He was empowered. He wasn't even one of the 12 the 12 you read about in the Gospels. This was just Philip. Some guy who the Holy Spirit came upon. Some guy who just, some guy who was empowered. And the crowds listened to what was being said when they heard him and they saw the signs. Skip down to verse 12. But when they believed Philip as they preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Skip down to verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard what was going on in Samaria, that they received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So Peter and John, we know them from the Gospels, they come down to check out what's going on. And when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's very weird. A lot of weird stuff in the Gospels. And there's some really weird stuff in Acts. Because earlier we just read that they believed, right? Can you believe without the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. 
I think you need the Holy Spirit right, to, to, to work. Like when you believe, you get the Holy Spirit. These guys were believers. They were actually baptized. But then the apostles come down, they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. The point I want to make here, and, and, and you can go all throughout Acts, into Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 8, and you can read when this happens. Belief, baptism, and empowerment don't always happen in the same order. In Acts chapter 10, they were empowered before they were baptized. Now, I would make the case that belief has to happen first. But the other two flip-flop sometimes. You read in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit fell down on these guys. These guys got empowered in Cornelius' house, and they're like, well, heck, I guess we need to baptize them. In this scripture, they believed they were baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came down upon them. Now, what are we talking about? Flip to the front of your paper. We're not talking about conviction because the Holy Spirit is convicting the whole world right now. Jesus said it was, and I believe it. And we're not talking about renewal and regeneration because, you know, if you believe the gospel, you start to get renewed and regenerated. We're talking about empowerment. We're talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Now, I want to make the case, empowerment is an Old Testament thing. Now, hear this. I know I'm going a little long. Forgive me. I'll go quick. Empowerment happened in the whole Testament. Remember Samson, the strong guy with the long hair? It wasn't the hair that made him strong. It was the Holy Spirit. He was empowered, but he was not renewed or regenerated. You had artisans building the temple. They were empowered with creativity to make things nice and pretty, some gift that I don't have. You read about the judges. In Judges, they were empowered to rescue Israel, but they were not renewed and they were not regenerated. In fact, if all you got was convicted and then renewed and regenerated and your life changed, you would be good because that's all New Testament. Empowerment is kind of an Old Testament thing. In fact, Saul, King Saul, the very first king of Israel, the Spirit came down upon him and he was empowered to lead the nation. But he fell away and wound up going crazy because he sinned. Empowerment, renewal, Regeneration and conviction are not the same. They work together in some weird way that I can't fully express. But like the way I was kind of saying this, and you got five minutes? I'm going to talk for five minutes, so anyway, you, you, you can either listen or leave. It's all right. But anyway, when I thought about this right here, this is a multi-tool. I got this when I was little. When you open it up, it's very easy to see that there's pliers there. Right? You all can see that. But there's a lot of other stuff there, too. Some stuff, I'm not even sure what it does. They're weird shapes. I haven't found a use for them yet. But there's scissors and a screwdriver. And, and the more I play with it, the more I realize that it's got more than I realized. And so we're going to skip down to a point. And this is after we read the scripture, but it's sometimes God has more for us than we realize. It's after the Ephesians verses. Sometimes God has more for us than we realize. Now I'm going to go through those Ephesians verses because I want you to understand this. It's on the back of your paper. The book of Ephesians tells a story about 12 disciples. I'm sorry, the book of Acts tells a story in chapter 19 about 12 disciples in Ephesus. 
They were 12 disciples. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country, and he came to Ephesus. Let's just read it. Open up your own Bible and read this. And there he found some disciples. Every time that word is used, disciples, do you know what disciples means? It means disciples. Now you can argue that it says something different. But if I was to pick up the book and just read it, I would be like, some disciples, they must have been disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why the heck would Paul ask that question? He did. And they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. On hearing this, now, now, now the part that I took out because I couldn't fit it on the page, it, and, and you can read it, and I'll give you the background. These were disciples of John the Baptist. In fact, they were, they were followers of John the Baptist. And Apollos, if you go further up the page, past the beginning of 19 into 18, you realize Apollos was at Ephesus. And it says Apollos accurately preached the things about Jesus Christ. But they didn't have full understanding. Because sometimes God has more for us than we realize. If these guys that were called disciples and that were following Jesus the best they could, why? Because even John the Baptist preached about Jesus. John the Baptist's message was not, hey, follow me. It was, hey, get ready for the one who's coming. So if these 12 guys who the Bible called disciples died, do you think they'd go to heaven or hell? I don't know. It seemed like they believed the best they could. I mean, I, I don't make that call. I'm not the judge. But they had an imperfect understanding. The best that they could, I mean, they were doing the best that they could. Don't judge these guys. And Paul clears it up. And they get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because they were only baptized in the John's baptism. They knew something of Jesus, but they didn't know enough. And then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. I mean, that's what the Bible says. God had more for them than they realized. They had an imperfect understanding. They didn't really ever even know there was a Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I went to church for 15 years. Like, and 15 years when you're a kid, that's a long 15 years, right? 15 years when you're an adult is like this. But I went to a Presbyterian church and a Nazarene high school. If you know anything about theology, they don't get along too well. But in both of those churches, I never even knew there was a Holy Spirit. All that we talked about was the dove that hit Jesus when he was baptized. That was kind of weird, so we just went past that. But they never talked about it. Now, I'm not making the case that you're not saved if you're not empowered. Because I think they're separate. And the reason I think they're separate, and you can go prove me wrong if you want, is when Jesus sent out the 72. Remember he sent out the 72? They went out and they did miracles and healings and cast out devils and did all this stuff. They weren't saved yet. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given. Jesus said that. The day of Pentecost hadn't even come. But they were empowered. He empowered them somehow. You have a whole group of people in the Bible. Now, to rank this in priority, let's get this straight. 
people in the Bible, it says that, didn't I prophesy and didn't I cast out demons in your name, Lord? And Jesus says, get away from me. I never knew you. So you can be empowered and be a mess. Empowered is not salvation. And I'm not even saying it's subsequent. I'm just saying that there's more to the Holy Spirit than we realize. I'm not saying that when you got saved and you started to get renewed and you started to get regenerated, that you needed anything other. But I'm saying sometimes it's okay to cry out to God for power. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell. By Acts chapter 4, two chapters later, they're asking Jesus for more. How much, how leaky and broken do you have to be to be there when the Holy Spirit first showed up on the day of Pentecost for two chapters later, persecution comes and you're like, please God, just do it again. I need more. Why aren't we like that? Why are we so satisfied with what we have? Don't you want to be empowered? And I'm closing right now. Don't you want to be empowered? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Do you want to reach somebody? Because here's the deal. You can't do it on your own. But when you pray to God and say, God, empower me, small group leaders, you people that are leading small groups, you need to be empowered. Now, the cool thing is you can open up the Word of God, and the Word of God has power. So if you just shut up and read it and don't mess it up, that's pretty powerful. But you add on top of that a man of God that is empowered by the Spirit that can make those scriptures jump off the page and bring some application and some revelation. And it's really good. And we're not talking about renewal. We're not talking about regeneration. And I don't want to separate them. But sometimes you got to look at one thing from different sides. If I'm looking this way in the room, I'm looking at Mike and the clock, and Mike is just sitting there. If I'm looking here, I'm looking at the curtain. If I'm looking here, I'm looking at the exit sign. But it's still the same room. And if all I do is stare at the exit side, I have no idea there's a curtain behind me. And if all I'm doing is staring at this, I don't know there's the exit sign. So if all you're thinking about is the Holy Spirit convicts, you're missing out on some other stuff he does. And all you're thinking about is the Holy Spirit renews, you're missing out on some of the other stuff that he does. And if you're, all you're thinking about is the Holy Spirit empowers, you're missing out on some really important New Testament stuff. Because you better get renewed and regenerated and rebuilt, because that's way more important than being empowered. But they're still all important. And they're still all in the room. So close your eyes just for a second. I, I don't know if I made sense. I don't know if I offended any of you. And you guys can go home and pull out your commentaries. However, the way I interpret Scripture is I like to read it and look at what the words say. And I like to take the simplest reading. And this whole idea of empowerment is in there. Even Paul said, pray for me so that I can open up my mouth and make the gospel clear. I don't think empowerment is a one-time thing. I think it's something we need to cry out for often. Even Paul the apostle, after he had started multiple churches, was asking, was asking people to pray for him and said, pray for me. Pray I can open up my mouth and preach the gospel clearly. This is a lifestyle. We should always be convicted. 
we should always be being renewed and we should always be empowered for whatever it is God has called us to do. So if you're in this room today and, 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 and maybe you've never believed in Jesus, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, and today you're feeling like you would like to start, you'd like to get your life right with God, with every eye closed, nobody looking around, would you just put your hand up if that's you? If you'd like to get your life right with God, thank you, Lord. That's amazing. Praise God. If that was you, just begin to confess to him what it is that's wrong. Begin to tell him that you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and, and you'll receive forgiveness for whatever sin that you, you have in your life because his blood is good enough. Maybe you're in this room and you said, you know what, I would like to minister out of his power and not my own. Maybe you're tired of ministering out of your own strength and you'd like the Lord's strength. You're feeling powerless. Maybe you just need a recharge, a refreshing, like Paul did when he said, hey, pray for me. If that's you, would you put your hand up? If you can't say your life is empowered, amen. 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 Well, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to put one more scripture on the screen. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 9. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 9. It says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to your, those who ask Him? So just ask Him. See, I believe the Bible. I believe if you're sitting there in your seat and you ask God for more of His presence in your life, that God is capable of Amen. Would everyone stand with me, please? Hey, guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>